All right, guys, I'm back again for round two with Sasha Thin of ID8 Design. Hi, Sasha. How, how are you? Hey, Michelle. Thanks for having me back. I feel like I just stutter there, like I had a speech impediment for a hot second. But um, okay, for those, for the people who are not uh, maybe up to speed on all the podcast episodes, Sasha was episode 62, and we talk about pricing, and it's, it was an epic episode, and people loved it, and it's ram-packed full of absolute gold. Also, things like how to use QuickBooks effectively, which I'm still working on, by the way. That's a big goal for me this year. Um, so go back and have a listen to that. Today, we're going to start, right? We're going to start by talking about a new pricing method that you've kind of flushed out, right? Yeah, so I wanted to sort of piggyback on last time's episode uh, where I spoke about value uh, pricing and also the three methods of pricing uh, because I was in a similar situation where I had to, um, I'm, I'm looking to collaborate with an architect locally. And yeah. one of the things that we were discussing is how do I price my services um, not only for him but for clients and what would be an easy, quick approach to do so, you know, without knowing too much about scope, without knowing um, all the details, like how do you quickly put together numbers that make sense? So yeah. I spent some time sort of thinking about it. And again, you know, because I like to do things in uh, and sort of test them out in three different ways. Um, I worked it out from a percentage basis, um, a square footage basis, and also just by hours. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then what I landed on was the, um, the square footage basis, because that would be one of the easiest ways to explain that to the architect, you know, and say, okay, if you're thinking of bringing me on for a new construction, um, single family, and it is 4,000 square feet, this is what we're going to be looking at for my services. Um, so yeah, yeah. So I wanted to keep it really simple and I wanted to, uh, sort of share that um, with the group because I know there's a there's again tons of discussion around you know is my price right because we feel nervous when we're putting the numbers out there to you know it's either gonna make or break the job. Um, oh my god I, it's so true and um, I've, I've put out a lot of pricing in the last let's call it three months that have just just they're not getting like even to a builder as well who is the same builder that I'm working on for another project which is far away and and I get like and I understood like the numbers just didn't make sense for his client but I, I am curious about this topic because I do think collaborating with architects and builders is could be huge for your business right so if you can figure out a way to communicate that that would be awesome okay so yeah how, so, so you, you're saying you started by testing the three strategies then? Yeah. So based on what I had sort of explained in our last podcast, I, you know, um, I did it through three different methods because I wanted to make sure I wasn't shooting myself in the foot yeah. you know, with this. Um, so what I came up with is the different scenarios that I would be involved in. One would be selecting hard finishes and lighting for a single yep. family where the plans are already drawn up by the architect. Yeah. Uh, the second scenario is just furniture and decor. Yeah, house, um, you know, you're, um, you're my favorite person. You and I, <laughs> we think so similarly. Like it's so, 
I love it. You're so right brain and left brain. Like you're creative and wildly talented. Um, oh, but you. yeah, you're, you're so too. like strategic and like, um, like you're not just like, throwing, like you're very thoughtful in everything you're doing. Anyway, sorry. I no, thank you. I mean, you can keep like, that coming. I can keep listening to you say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but seriously, um, like, yeah, you, you were like, oh, I feel like um, we're on the same page as far as this stuff. Like, this is exactly how my brain works too. So I love it. Anyways, selecting hard finishes, furniture and decor, and then? And then um, per room, you know, say you have yeah. just one room or two rooms in a house, how would you price that? And then the fourth would be, and that's, separate from kitchens and bathrooms because kitchens and bathrooms as we know can get um, pretty detailed um, and they don't have the same level of involvement as a bedroom for instance um, so is that's that, that again they don't have the same level of is it more involvement to you or less involvement it's different, different. so yes there's different there's different skill sets involved in a yes. kitchen and bathroom renovation as there are for decor for a bedroom or a living room okay so, got it you know, I think you, we do need to price it differently because um, I think, yeah, for those reasons. Yes, got so, it. Yeah, so the four ways. So the way that, I that I've come up with this, and these are ranges because obviously they range on geographical location. Okay. range on your experience level um, and uh, budget, right? So yep. I think depending on if, like, for example, for the first one, for the single family home, for the architect, um, it may be a luxury home or it may be like a middle income sort of, you know, um, property that they need your help with. So, so the way that I'm looking at it is this. Um, so the hard finishes and lighting, I've come up with a median number of $5 a square foot. Okay. Now, if you're more experienced, um, I would encourage you to be more in the seven to $10 range. Mm -hmm. um, if it's a luxury home, but if it is, if you just need a number, to come up with i've come up with the, the um with five dollars a square foot for for that because it's super simple um you're selecting um like i said you know all the tiles cabinets. this is for a whole home right because number three this is, is for, per room so exactly Got this it. is for a single family home where you're not doing the plans okay. you're not you're not doing the layouts the layouts are already done you're basically coming in there and saying i want to use uh I want to use white oak on the flooring all across the home. I want to use this, you know, these two tiles in the master bathroom with this countertop. I want to use those kinds of things. So I think, yeah. you know, this is the plumbing fixtures. These are the, this is the lighting, the specialty lighting, and also you know, the more, um, the recess lighting that you might want to select overall, like okay. the general lighting. So I think like if say, for example, you have a 4,000 square foot home, I know for a fact that we in our studio have been able to do that for $20,000. Okay. You know, and this is selecting finishes only where you're not, you're literally not feeding into any of the architect, like the, where the walls are placed, the kitchen's already designed. You're just selecting the finishes for the kitchen. Correct. You're Got not it. laying it out. Correct. Okay. You're not touching layouts. You're just saying, this is where this goes. Okay. Right. So you're coming to get, you're putting together like mood boards and um, with all these elements that go together. Um, so, so that's like five to $10 is where, you know, I left it because it's five being where it's almost like a developer 
where you go in and say this, 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 and this. Seven to 10 is more like client facing, you know, where you may have some revisions, you may have things like that that you want to. Because they care more, it's, it's closer to them and they're going to be pickier. Exactly. And they're yeah. going to want multiple meetings. You know, a developer or an architect, if you're presenting to them, they already know what you're speaking about or what you're talking about. And they don't need as many drawings or as many elevations. They, they sort of get the idea fairly quickly. They're, they have that the ability to see the final product, right? Yeah. So, so I think that our presentation, the amount of time we spend on it changes from the end user being the client or the architect or developer. That makes so a lot of I sense think, to me. Yeah. yeah. So I think that range is where this is, this is what works for me again. You know, this is, I'm talking about Boston. I'm located in Boston. So this, this what is what works for us in our studio. Um, and again, yeah. I, went, I went back and I tested this out with the different projects we have completed over the last five years. And it seems to fall into that bucket. I think that's a key takeaway for anybody. It's like, you can't just throw numbers at a wall without understanding how much time it takes for you, how much you value your expertise, how much experience you have. You know, if, if you're really quick, that doesn't mean you cut it in half or if you're slower, you know, maybe it, maybe that number needs to go up or maybe you also need to understand that well, you're slower because you don't have the experience, but that's not fair to the client to pay for that. So yeah, I agree with what you're saying. It's like, you got to figure out what it is for you. Correct. You got to do the work yourself, but these are not the answers for everybody. This is like directional for people is, to consider. Yeah, yeah. This is like when you're super confused about a large scope and you're like, how do I wrap my head around this? Because there is uh, a value in selecting all the finishes in a home together versus room by room over the, yeah. you know, if it's split into phases, there's so much of, uh, you know, efficiency in there. For so, sure. And, yeah. and then you have to price for efficiency because you're going to go to the tile showroom maybe once or twice versus five times over five months, you know. So I think those are the kinds of things you'd want to take into account. Um, the second option was the decor for the house. So now you've done the hard finishes. Okay. Client says, okay, can you come back and give me a number to furnish this whole place? Right. Mm -hmm. So I think regardless of markups, etc., I think the um the square foot rate that I worked out was fifteen to twenty dollars a square foot. Okay, I gotta do some quick maths. <laughs> yeah. So that works out to sixty to eighty thousand dollars if you were involved in a four thousand square foot home all at one time. Again, this is based on efficiency. You know, so Can I just say, though, that it makes me feel, okay, I, I'm trying to figure out, I, you, you're probably looking at me going, she's not paying attention. I'm trying my best here to figure out this project and picked in how many square footage, how many square feet it is, um, yes. because I don't really remember off the top of my head, but I want to say, it's, I don't know, um, but you're making me, because I'm like, did I price it, like, was it too much? Am I being unrealistic here? Like... So you said 15 to 20 a square foot, right? Is that what you said? Yes. Okay. Now that's like considering all the furniture, yeah. drugs, um, side, yeah. you know, accessories, art, everything. But right. imagine you're doing it at one time, right? And then also right down to like putting an accessory on a shelf kind of thing, right? Installation. Yep. Ex exactly. Everything. I mean, that that's makes a lot so of sense uh, in my mind as well. Like that right there makes me feel much better about the number I threw out at a client oh, recently. Good.
This podcast is supported by Ultralux Linens. That's right, guys. And if you have not reached out or gone to visit Ultralux and spoken to Jacqueline or possibly Emily, then I've got to ask you, what are you waiting for? Because I've told you already that they carry over 75 brands of fabrics, Kravit, JF, Allendale, Avant-Garde, all the good stuff. You're going to get the exact same designer trade discount that you would get if you went to them direct. But the benefit is that they're all under one roof. So when you actually go look at fabric, you have all of the different fabric lines in one place for you to check them out. And when you're ordering the fabrics, you just have to send one PO. It really doesn't get much better than that. They also have a ton of wallpaper books. And when I go in there, I basically just tell them the vibe I'm after. And often Emily just kind of goes to various places, pulls out some books for me, and we're off to the races. They have over 5,000, that's right, 5,000 square feet of showroom and it's filled with custom furniture line. They've got bedding, linens, towels, so much stuff. It's insane. It's amazing. And the best part is they just recently opened their workroom. I already got some drapes up in my home, which I absolutely adore. They do drapery, pillows, custom cushions, I'm telling you, whatever you need, they're going to do it. To learn more, go to ultraluxlinens.com or find them on Instagram, slide into their DMs. And of course, if you want to check them out in person, you're going to go to the Toronto International Design Center, second floor, whatever you do, make sure you tell them that Michelle sent you. Okay, okay, question for you then. If a, if a builder, because I'm always like doubting myself. I'm like, am I overcharging is what I keep wondering. Of course, we all have the same problem. Are you kidding? Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I had a client recently reach out to me with like, I think it was ultimately four rooms. And, um, you know, I, and I also understood like the project was, I don't think he needed like the most perfect ready for a magazine home. And I accounted for that. But I think he, like, even though I say to clients on the phone, like, on average, one room beginning to end for furniture and decor is 25 to 35 hours. It's a, they're like, I'm like, how does that sound? And then they say, yep. And then all of a sudden you go back and it's four rooms and there are efficiencies I'm accounting for, but it's as if like they didn't do the math and they're shocked by the number. Yeah. But okay. So, so if you're working with a builder, would you... And you're doing selecting hard finishes and furniture and decor. Would it just be like, hey, builder, uh, phase one is the finishes, $5 a square foot. Uh, phase two is furniture and decor, $15 a square foot. Or are you doing an efficiency thing there? Yeah, I think you would need to do an efficiency there, uh, thing there as well. Because he, as a builder, I'm, I'm presuming that he does not have you know, preferences. He's like, okay, I trust you, run with it. Right. So in that, in that, in that way, I would definitely, um, because see a lot of the time in these square foot rates is related to meetings, client meetings and revisions. And that suddenly goes away when you're dealing with other professionals in our industry, because it just moves way faster. So for example, I would say probably 15 to $20 a square foot for a builder for everything. Hard, hard finishes and furniture because he's going to be, you know, he's going to be an easy client, hopefully. Um, and 
once you both are on the same page, it'll run fairly quickly. You know, installations will be super easy because you're not trying to sort of figure out the client schedules, all those things. Suddenly you're saving time all over the place. Okay, just for clarity's sake, when you're talking about builder, you're mean like he's a developer who's building a home that's then gonna be sold. He's not a builder developing a home who is a client at the other side of it. Correct. Are, are you talking about a builder who's working for a client? Yeah, that's been my only experience, but I think that just, um, and that's totally fine. That makes sense for, for me, but I want to just for clarity of the listeners too, and for myself, just to make sure that that was the core difference. So it's not that if the builder you're working with is actually working with a client, the same applies. Like you're still working with a client ultimately. Of course. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I, there's I a builder that's brought you in. Yeah. Okay. At the end of the day, yeah, you have to have the same, you'll have the same process. The process doesn't change, yeah. And then if there, okay, so let's say it was just a client then, you would still say selecting hard finishes, $5 a square foot, furniture and decor, $15 a square foot. Correct. Like you wouldn't blend that in any way. I don't think Like if they needed both. Okay, good. I agree in my head. You're you're making me feel so much better about a recent project, which I started to think like, oh my God. I gotta ask, when you tell a client, Okay, if you ever do, just for example of um, more closer to what I do more, when you do a whole home for a client, well, how big are the homes you typically work with in, in Boston? Um, they range from, I would say, 3,500 square feet upwards to almost 8,000 square feet. Dang, girl. Okay, let's go to the 3,500. Okay. So let, you're doing furniture and decor, 3,500 square feet times, let's assume it's 15. Okay, hold on now. $3,500 a square feet times 15. That number is $52,500, right? How do you say that to the client? Do they they freak out? No. I mean, when you are talking it just i think it just depends on the kind of client right i mean if the client is looking for everything from soup to nuts um in that demographic they don't seem to freak out no yeah okay what kind of clients do you normally work with what are they doing for a living (laughs) (laughs) well and they you know um they have the money for this i mean i think you know they've just bought a home which is a three million dollar house Right. Let's talk about value. Yeah. So, you know, it's like a two and a half to four million dollar home. Um, they live in a really nice neighborhood. They're looking for quality. They're looking for something that works with their lifestyle. They're both busy individuals, both working. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think at that stage, they're you're, you're sort of taking everything off their plate where they have to, you know, imagine furnishing it from you know scratch themselves yeah. and managing the process. Yeah, they're okay with that. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's going to, I, I just going to put out into the world that that is totally going to happen for me too. Um, okay. What happens? We're going to keep going through the other ones, but just wanted to ask for furniture and decor. Yes. What happens if let's say the client wants you to, let's say they have some pieces of furniture and decor already let's say they have, you know, a bed for their bedroom already. They have a sofa they really want to work with, but there's just some key pieces or they say, I don't want to do window treatments or, you know, I want to, I want to furnish, but 
I just want to furnish, but we're going to not do this. Like, which is what we would deem like the soup to nuts type thing. Yeah. How do you approach that type of situation? So are we doing multiple rooms in this scenario? Yeah, let's pretend it's a whole home and every room in the home is being touched, but they've removed things like we're not going to do window treatments. They already have window treatments. They bought a house with window treatments that they love and they're pretty decent. We don't need a couple, like a, like, let's say there's a piece of furniture or two in every room that they can work with, but you still need a significant amount of stuff. How do you approach it then? Well, I think the window treatment aspect is uh, a good chunk of time that you do have to consider. But when you're working with existing furniture, you and I both know that it's way harder than when you're starting from scratch. So there's definitely a premium there in in the time spent trying to find things that work with something you didn't select. Um, That's a great point. Yeah. So I think that doesn't count. Okay. I think as an efficiency, I think the window treatments do count as an efficiency. And I think I, if I were you, I would look at how much time you spend on a similar project, just selecting window treatments. If you can sort of wrap your head around that and deduct it off the total. But um, yeah, I don't think it's going to change substantially. Okay. Yeah. And if, Okay, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Number three, there, unless there was more you wanted to say on furniture and decor. No, I think that that, that was, yeah, that's where I'm at with, you know. The, um, these are all making a lot of sense to me and I really like it. I'm going to, after I'm done, I'm actually going to go back to all of the projects I've been tracking. I'm going to turn those projects into square footage and I'm going to reverse engineer this and see like what my numbers look like because if I could just have a freaking square footage number, it would be a lot right. easier. Wouldn't it just be so simple? Like when you walk in, you're like, yep, this is going to be this much. Yeah. Like everybody's going to walk away from that meeting saying, okay, we know what we're dealing with. Oh my God. It would be amazing. It would be, it would be so, so easy. Cause like even right now I thought, well, saying 30 to 25 to 35 hours, this should be easy, but for some stupid reason it's not. And also it's like the size of the room does impact how much time is happening. Yeah. You know? Because you're picking additional stuff or not. I mean, I don't know if it matters that much, but I think just having a baseline number helps. Okay. Actually, we're not moving on yet. Furniture and decor. I know sometimes I do furniture and decor and that can include like, well, we're going to do a custom built-in. Like we're not doing a massive reno, but we're doing a custom built-in, which I feel like adds a significant time to just sourcing a piece of furniture. Like would, in your mind, would that number be included here or would I just increase the square footage a little higher? Like, I think you would just add a couple of dollars for what you think the number of hours might be for that. Like, for okay. example, like if you think like instead of sourcing a bookshelf, you've got to do built-ins, you know, whatever that's going to be. Or, or oh, this is where the, the difference is, is that you leave that number alone and you make your money off the markup. Got it. Yeah. You just know for sure that. Okay. Absolutely. I also think that when it comes to markup, um, sometimes like if, if you're not telling clients that they're going to, like, I don't tell clients anymore that they are getting any discount off of furniture. I just make the call based on the project and what I need to make sure I'm profitable for the project. Right. So like client, is amazing. I made a really great amount of money and I want to make sure I'm pushing the furniture through. Like I'm never going to give them my entire discount, but I'm going to give them 10% or something like that. But I think that's a good point. It's just making sure that you're able to offset that in another way by not maybe giving them any discount that you might've originally. 
on that yeah, problem. I think, yeah, I think when you're doing custom, there's a lot of time and energy that goes into designing it and coordinating it and making sure it's done correctly. And I mean, I think you can be completely honest with the client and say that's, you know, where um, I'm not going to charge you for the hours in the, in the design package, but, you know, my time to coordinate this is going to be included in the cost of the bookcase that we're going to be building. Love you know, it. Smart. Yeah. So that thing is complicated, right? Yeah, it doesn't overcomplicate it. Plus it doesn't change the square foot rate if things are like this, like this kind of a curveball comes in and you're able to do this without thinking twice because you're like, oh shit, now I have to spend an additional time. Well, no. You just design a beautiful custom piece and you charge a markup on that and that covers all your time. Love it. So it keeps it pretty simple and streamlined. Okay. Um, yeah, so I think that's how I would deal with that. Um, I think similarly, I would do that as well. You know, Michelle, thinking back to the window shade question that you have, mm -hmm. because sometimes if you mark up window coverings, um, just a little bit, just by pure, um, volume, you can cover your time. Yeah, for sure. I yeah. Mean, there's definitely a decent, uh, profit in. The yeah. So then again, like if, if, you know, if you're not doing it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get into the weeds in terms of what exactly you're doing when you're doing these square foot rates because this is really an overall you may spend less time because you're not picking window treatments but you might make up the time because the client may need you for an additional 15 hours to look at art you know sometimes yeah. art can be a component that you really need for a project but you, you don't often get it right the first time because it's such a subjective thing 100%. that that's where your time really gets eaten up so i mean i think there's, there's space here for leaving these square foot rates as they are, but then yeah. accommodating your, you know, your, your time elsewhere. I love it. And okay. Are these numbers, I, we're going to keep going for sure, but uh, are, you're not publishing these numbers anywhere. You're only talking about these after you have met with the client kind of thing. No, I don't like putting things up on the website because clients take that um, and I don't think they quite understand what they're looking at. Yeah. I think there's definitely a discussion. There's also scope, you know, it's very specific to people. Right. So, I mean, yeah. I think this is great uh, for us as designers to wrap our heads around because we know what it involves, but I, I don't know if a client would truly understand what this means if I was to publish this on the website. Yeah. You know? Um, okay. Let's move on to the program, which is, this is key right now because I know Kimberly Selden talks a lot about like different ways to price, but the problem is always like when you get to a smaller project, it doesn't always work out. So I like that you came up with a strategy for like a per room. So let's talk about the per room stuff. Yeah. So the per room stuff, you know, I think I know what I want to make per room because I, I just know that like, I don't want to make less than X, like $5,000, for example. Is that your number? Yeah. So I, I know like if I go into a room, it doesn't matter, you know, if it's slightly larger, slightly smaller, I want to make between four and a half thousand and six thousand on a per room project. Because if I'm okay. going into a project and it's just the one room they want me to do, it has to make sense. You know, there's a lot of overhead cost to mobilize just for that one room. So the square foot rate that that worked out to was 15 to $20 a square foot on say a 300 square foot room, which is pretty standard. I love it. And okay, so that's because we talked about furnishing and decor or kitchen. 
Now, this is just a room. This is a living room. This is not okay. kitchen. Kitchens and baths are separate. Yeah. Okay, got it. Okay, so this is per room furniture and decor. Correct. Slash selecting herd finishes. No, that doesn't make sense necessarily. Right. Well, whatever the room needs, right? But okay. you're not renovating. You're, yes. You're doing decor, yeah. This okay. is not a renovation. A renovation would be in something else, yeah. Okay, which I actually noted. I wanted to, where does that fall into this? Okay, and then per room, kitchen or bath? Right, so kitchens and baths include set of plans, elevations, specifications, and project management. That's what I'm including in this number. Okay, sorry, um, set of plans, project, what else did you say? Um, Elevations, yep. plans, elevations, specifications, and yep. project management. Okay. So this is taking a project like a kitchen reno from the start till un until they move back into it. Um, I took a 300 per square foot, 300 square foot space, like okay. 15 by 20 standard kitchen, right? Pretty much across the Northeast. Um, and I gave it a rate of 50 to $75 a square foot. Love it. Um... So that works out to okay. 22,000. What does it work out to? So it's like 15 to 22,000 in the range. And if you imagine that your kitchen. Oh, sorry. Did, what is that? In, that's only your services. That's our services. Yeah. And then if it's a, say if it's a $150,000 build out, right. For a kitchen, for example, 22,000 is like just shy of, or I think 15% or so. Mm -hmm. I've never, I'm not saying never, but I haven't to date ever had a kitchen that high. I'm uh, floating around kitchen. I'm working on right now. It's like probably 25,000. Okay. Which is fine. I think this is a point in time where the listeners need to, you got to understand where you're at. And the, what, what Sasha just said is important information Percentage of service to the actual cost of the kitchen is an important number. I think as far as the consumer's concerned, like they don't want to be, let's say their kitchen was going to cost $20,000, $25,000. Your design fee can also be that. So you either need to find a new type of client or figure out how you can work with that. Cause percentage to what you're spending, just, it just, the math has to make sense in some way. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, at that stage, but you're doing like, remember, this includes everything. This includes a gut renovation. So what are you doing for 20,000? Just I'm curious. It's, it's a kitchen that's, I'm just doing the math on square footage. It's 132 square feet. It's not big. Um, and I provided the floor plan. I worked with a kitchen company. I selected the finishes. Um, and I'm just, I want to do the math. Um, and and yeah. their kitchen, when it's all said and done, without just the kitchen, without the renovation. So like the the contractor, I don't know what his fees are. So ultimately, probably with his fees, I bet you it's more like 50, right? I Like you're, you're assuming, I, you're counting the, the contractor. Yeah, fees, yeah, this right? is everything. This is yeah. every I just don't know that number. And labor and construction cost, all of it. Yeah, appliance costs, everything. Yeah. Okay. So that number for me, I'm probably realistically going to go a little lower. Why? My, so my thought was for kitchen, I was looking, I was looking for probably around 4,000 to start. One. So you're, you're saying square footage is 132? Yeah. 
Okay, so based on what I just said to you, yeah, 130. It was a 6600. I did the math, something like that. I might have done that wrong. Yeah, exactly. That's where you should be. Yeah. I mean, look this at is the very eye opening. Thank you for this. Um, I do think you have a higher level of experience, though. So maybe, like for me, I'm I'm adjusting for my experience, which I think is lower. I don't think it's lower. It's 100 percent lower. No, right? but I mean, how many kitchens have you done? Not that many. Like th mine, uh, the picked in this one, like four. I've done four. Okay. All right. So well, at the end of this year, you yep. should be charged. I mean, first of all, you should not be getting a twenty thousand dollar kitchen because it's not a $20,000 kitchen. If you add yeah, the appliances, not. you, if you're you right. Add, 100%. What is it? What is it? It's like, if you add everything into it, right? Yeah. It's 20,000. You can't even get cabinets from Ikea for 20,000. No, no. And you're right. Sorry. That was like the number of the cabinetry only from the kitchen company. Like, yeah. Yeah. That that's the number of the cabinetry. Yeah. Now you add the countertops, which is going to be another seven, $8,000. I'm going into all this the right appliances, now. which you, which is another fifteen, at least even being conservative. You add the labor, which is another thirty thousand dollars for plumbing, electrical, uh, installation of cabinets. What are we at? I don't know, but I'm actually pulling up because I started to pull her. Um, I actually did a budget for her. This is riveting content. Yeah, seventy-five thousand right dollars is where you should be. Okay, so that's, I need to remember the real number and not just like the cabinet itself number, which no. is what I was doing in my head. So there. when okay, I say $150,000 kitchen, you're not far off. You're on a $75,000 kitchen. Yeah, because you're also saying your square footage was bigger almost. Exactly, it's double, right? Exactly. You're talking about 130 square feet. I'm talking about a 300 square foot kitchen, right? So, I think that this is a really good example of... Um, when we listen to podcasts, how important it is for us to use deductive reasoning because we don't have all the information. Um, so right. that's amazing. Okay. So yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going to throw in, you're right. This is very important. Okay. Um, and the same thing goes for a bath because it's just a smaller footprint. Okay. You know what I will say, and that's just for selecting finishes. No, you said that's for everything. That's what if you're everything. only selecting finishes? Um, then you would apply that rate that we did earlier. But I mean, of course, if you're just selecting finishes for a small bathroom, you mean? Yeah. Basically come um, up, it would be obviously less. Yeah, it would be less. So imagine if you used, um, the $5 a square foot, where would you be? For example, in that. Well, 132, that wouldn't be enough, right? Cause there's gotta be a minimum times five. That would be $660. Yeah. That's not going to cut it. No, it's, I mean, I think the economies of scale change when you yeah. go smaller. I think then you just got to decide what makes sense for you as a business owner and how many hours you're going to spend. I think that's more of an hourly thing. Don't you come up with a square footage. In that I, case. Don't think, I don't think you can do a square footage when it's so small. No. Well, like, I mean, you could, I mean, I, mean, I guess cause we're doing it for the other one. Couldn't we say like 35 times 132, like, right. You could just say yeah. it's more like $20 a square foot. Um, what a, okay, so how does renovations play a role into this? Or do you just do that by hourly? So renovations um, would be more like, um, uh, renovations of what though? Okay, so there, I guess there's like with a client. So if you're doing a whole home, let's, I mean, maybe most people don't do whole home renovations. Let's say you're doing a whole home. Okay, no. You're working with a builder who has a client and you are reviewing the plans and feeding into them. 
So you are going to select the finishes, but you're also providing directional input on floor plan design. So you're not, it's not just like it's all done and you're just selecting finishes. There's plans coming to you and you're providing feedback and reviewing them, you know, with a critical eye and, and saying you're doing, like, but what room is this? Is this decor or I mean, ultimately, no, what so for example, for, I'm going to give you an example that I'm like yeah. a third story new build. Yeah. I have been brought in to work alongside the architect who has put together drawings and I fed into those fairly heavily and yeah. we dramatically changed them um, yeah. based on my review of those. But that's not me just selecting finishes based on what they've presented, right? So right. like, it's, but I am going to also be selecting finishes, but I did also do like a thorough review of the floor plan and the designs themselves, to be honest. Like, right. what is so that kitchen? layouts and stuff and how big is this how many square feet do you remember um i can pull it up and i'm a okay so okay this will be loosey-goosey um sorry bear with me let's call it 20, 20, okay bear with me bear with me math quick maths and by quick maths i mean i'm using a calculator we're yeah, gonna no. call it uh 26 times 30 like 780 square feet. Yeah, so if it's an 800 square foot room, I mean, imagine. It's, a, it's like multiple rooms. Like it's in the 800 square feet, you've got a bedroom. What, what are you doing for them? It's the it's their third story addition. Uh, but like uh, hardwood finishes, paint colors, that kind of thing? Yeah. Well, no, that's a lot. They're, they're just content, keep, keeping with the hardwood they already have in the other parts of their home. But... I'm designing their bathroom, figuring out like the fireplace, um, the design of the ceiling, because they're gonna have like a peak ceiling probably, uh, designing their closets, their walk-in closet, designing the office that they're gonna have upstairs, two walk-in closets, bathroom, bedroom, sitting area, fireplace. So pretty intense. But no, no furniture? Yes, furniture also. Oh, so then you're looking at definitely your decor, rate right that we talked about yep which is uh per room right what do yep. we look at per room we looked at 300 uh, 15 to 20 dollars a square foot right yep um so that is your so that's sixteen thousand for the for, for the furniture aspect okay and then i would do maybe three hundred three dollars uh, or five dollars a square foot for the finishes but what about the fact that i'm not just selecting finishes i'm also designing I think, yeah, so I mean, you can make it seven if you want to, $7. Okay. Yeah. So, so basically that's like, where the range is, you know? So like selecting hard finishes, maybe that could, that's more like, uh, um, so you got seven plus like you go higher. If you're also designing you, if you're only selecting finishes, you go more like the five kind of thing. Whereas if I'm actually getting involved in the floor planning and yeah. putting into that, then I go on the higher end. So yeah. it's not Seven necessarily, okay, yeah. Yeah. got it. So you're I looking like at this. Like, I'm gonna have some fun when we're done here. You're, you're probably gonna look at like an 18 to $20,000 fee on, on this thing. Okay, let's do some more maths. <laughs> Cause again, that makes me feel better because I'm just like, am I overcharging? Okay, what did I say? 800, we're gonna say 800. So 12,000 for furnishing part. This is very validating right now. <laughs> we're gonna say seven times 800. 
Uh, and what did you say? Okay, so that's what I said. Eighteen thousand. Yeah. Five six. Yeah. Okay. okay. Great. And then, what is your hourly rate? One fifty. So take eighteen thousand divided by one fifty. You get one hundred and twenty hours, right? Yep. Isn't that what you're going to spend on this? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Do you also, when you're doing this, you're, you're always tracking your time because you're good like that, right? Because you're always making sure that you are. Yeah. 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 Because then historic, historic data is key. Yes. I mean, to any discussion, you need to know how fast you can do it in order to make a decision on how much you're going to charge. It's funny. Remember when I said, are we going to have enough content for an hour with this yeah. topic? <laughs> um, questions, more questions, more questions, more questions. Okay. So when you're dealing with square footage like this, right. it is a flat fee. Like, is there a point in time when, like, are you saying you only get so many revisions? Like, how do you handle Oh, those? yeah. You have to be very clear about what your deliverables are. I okay. think this is definitely a flat fee kind of um you know area because i think that for many reasons i believe in flat fee more than hourly but um you need to say okay i'm going to present you with maybe two layout options i like to give a multiple layouts yes but one concept yeah one design concept and eight hours for revisions that's my oh, that's my general that. yeah that's a smart strategy just saying a number of hours of revisions oh yeah because if you say you know, what is, what constitutes as a revision? I mean, I know, like, right? Yeah. Whole redesign? No. Yeah. You're so smart. Okay. Oh, and I didn't learn this by myself. This is all through mentoring and coaching yeah. over the years. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. I mean, experience, but um, yeah. that's a nugget I've never heard like that. And I really like that. Do you ever have clients who say, I don't think I need that many revisions and you cut it down and you just say, well, we'll add revisions if you need it. Well, they always say that, but they tend to want revisions. I know. Let's the be time real, right? goes somewhere. You know, it's not like, and then if you're, you're not nickeling and diming them. So I think once you leave the contract alone on that front, the time does get spent, whether you like it or not on this end or the other end, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And okay. We talked about this last time, but I'm going to circle back to it. So let's say we are doing, okay, let's say we're doing selecting hard finishes and for a project. And we're doing furniture and decor for a project. Right. Um, okay. So, and let's say this set, the house is 2,000 square feet. I'm just going to quickly throw, put the numbers together, even though you're probably going to do this way faster than I am. So we're just going to go on the low number just for the sake of. Uh, so $10,000 for selecting finishes, right? Yeah. And then 15 times 2,000. 30. Per, yeah, okay, that's embarrassing. All right, I, I didn't think about that. I just started. Yeah, it's about $40,000. Okay, so how do you approach, when you're doing this project, you're, you're, you're selecting finishes first, and then you're moving into furniture and decor, right? You're not putting it all at once. Okay. No, no, no. Yeah. How are you requesting the, what are your payment terms for that type of situation where, and I know that you do it based on our last call, based on the phase, is that... Yeah. Does that yeah. hold true here? Yeah. So I think that um, in most cases, I have to be I have to say, uh, usually we get contracted for the hard finishes first. Okay. And then we get contracted for the furniture later. No one's going to come to us and say, can you take us from A to Z on a single family 
ground up, you know, all, all at one time. You're, you're building that trust. At least I'm not there yet. You're building that trust and you're like going from hard finishes and then they love what you did. And then they're like, oh, can you help us with the furniture? So that's why I have it split up. Yeah. Got it. And, and realistically, if they said they wanted that, you would probably just say like, let's focus on phase one, which is this, when we Correct. get to that phase, because if it takes a year, Correct. Your, your whole business model could have changed, right? So, okay. Okay. I like that. And, all right, and, so- and I want to make sure that I say one more thing. Yeah. When your square footages go lower, your rate goes higher. Very important. Yes. So when you just went from my calculations were based on a 4,000 square foot home mm-hmm. by using a 2000 square foot home, see the time and energy is the same. The rate needs to go up. So instead yes. of using $15, you have to use a higher range. I see what you're saying. 4,000 square foot home, $5. Correct. 2,000 square foot home, maybe it's $10. Correct. Because there's more hallways, et cetera, in a 4,000 square foot home but maybe there's just two additional bedrooms or three additional bedrooms. You see, there's a lot of circulation space that goes into the larger square footages, but the time and the energy, a 2000 square foot home could be laid out very efficiently with four bedrooms. You don't want to make, you want to make sure that you have that covered, you know? That makes a lot of sense because there's more bathrooms. When you have more rooms, that's more concepts as well. Like totally different things happening in each room. Correct. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Okay. And then, so the $10,000, let's say, even though that's not accurate because we already talked about, it would probably be more like um, 20,000. You are collecting funds based on the phases. So that 20,000 is broken up by the phase of that selecting her finishes that you have, whatever your phases are. That's how you do it. Yeah. So I would still do like 25% of that. Yeah. As in, that's what you collect up front? Yeah. Got it. I love this. I'm basically going to, when we're done here, I'm going to go to my little projects. I'm turning them all into square footage and I'm going to come up with like. Yeah, I want to hear how that goes. I want to yeah. understand. Yeah. And remember, the smaller the square footage, the higher the rate. Yeah. 100%. So that's going to be key. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And, um, these numbers then you basically go to your consultation find out what you're doing and you're just you're just like okay great this room is three thousand square feet or this home is three thousand square feet we'd be doing a five dollars a square foot for that job that's how you kind of do it in the consultation uh in the first consultation we don't talk about fees Okay, so when does this pop up then basically because like I've, I've done it where i've talked about fees and it always bites me in the, you know it's it, it doesn't go well so i come back i think about it i think about the scope and then i review it and then i get back to them with a proposal which highlights the the fee content because gotcha. um, on the spot there's no point because people will hold on to that number regardless of what you say to them and say, you know, don't hold me to it and all that, blah, blah, blah. They will hold you to it because, but you're, you're not really prepared to answer that question because you're really just doing more of an, I, that's why I don't charge for consults because for me, that is information gathering time. That is me trying to assess, you know, the scope of the work, getting to know these people, them getting to know me. Mm -hmm. Um, I do throw out a ton of ideas, but, 
uh, you know, most often they're very hard to implement. So I'm not really worried that they're going to take my ideas and run away. And if they yeah. want to, that's fine too. Um, you know, um, I work on good faith. Um, so, so yeah, I come back and I put together a proposal, which, which then breaks down the fee proposal in detail. Absolutely. Yeah. And then um, I go back and meet them and share oh. that fee proposal. Okay. How long yeah. do you normally meet with them for? Um, an hour and a half. And you're talking about the fee proposal, your pro like what is everything, what are you talking about? Exactly. We talk the second time we go back, I would talk about the fee proposal, what's included, answer every question, walk them through the contract. Yeah. Sometimes I don't follow my own advice though. I have to say like the last two proposals I sent out in a rush because of the holidays. Yeah. And of course, crickets. Yeah. If you go and you meet them, they understand what your your services are way better and what the value is. If you send it across, it's just another piece of paper that they don't bother reading. It's true. Or they just look at the numbers and they don't understand the context of those numbers. Yeah, they're so just looking like, at the bottom line. And then suddenly they're like, yes or no. I was doing this thing where I was like calling. I wasn't going back to their home, but I was getting on a call. Yeah. I should start doing that again because it's the same thing. And well, for me, sometimes that would be more like a, I get on a call with the ones that might, like if there's one, I'm like, you know what? I could take this or leave it. I might not. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'll let the universe, you know, figure this one out for me. But yeah. the ones that really matter, generally I would get, I, I would get on a call just to really make sure that their answers, their questions are answered and whatnot. Yeah. Um, how detailed do you get on your process in that consultation or that um, follow-up with the proposal? Like, are you like, I'm collecting money before we purchase furniture, like a check? It's yeah. all going to go to all that is in the contract. So I just go through the contract and I talk to them about it and be like, you know, this is the process. This is what happens. Uh, usually I give them a fee schedule now. That means, you know, with 25% we talked about just yeah. now with the retainer, that will be spelled out in the contract so that. You know, just like a contractor gives them a fee schedule, I feel like they need to understand at what phase they're going to need to pay us in addition yep. to um, the contractor buying material so that they can plan monetarily, financially where they're going to be, you know, during the process. Um, so we started doing that. That's been going really well, actually, because there's no ambiguity in. And that's why I love the fixed fee. Mm -hmm. they know exactly what they're paying and when it's very interesting actually that you say that this is a little bit of insight from I don't want to say too much I can't imagine clients would ever listen to this but where um, I'm working with a builder and yeah. they have a, a designer that they work with that works with the kitchen company that they work with right Right. I don't know how that's set up. I'm not entirely sure. That's really, it's none of my business. I don't know. But I was asked to come in to help drive the aesthetic of the home. I think because, you know, there's not a, like, I think there's mostly because the builder has, I don't know why, to be honest, I don't know why they felt like they, cause they, you know, they build and they have a designer technically, but anyway, the designer's obviously billing. I'm billing. Right. The core difference though, like I, she seems to bill hourly yeah. and I bill, I bill like a time blocks of like, I estimate hours and I time block and it's still hourly technically, but right. it's almost seems like the psychology is different. So like, per, like it could be a flat fee, but I know that when my time blocks over, I'm going to request a new time block. And 
when I talk to the client, she's like, oh, I don't want to go back because I know she's going to bill me for that time. And it's funny because I'm like, I'm billing you for the time too. But yeah. if there seems to be like a psychology thing happening where they don't, yeah. they don't like, they don't see it the same way, which is very, was a very interesting nugget for me, a uh, takeaway um, because like we had a time block. It's the same. It's just like the optics are different. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, imagine, I've just started imagining myself in the client's shoes. And it's like, when I have a project at home, I want to know where it's going to end. I don't, I don't just want to keep receiving bills. Oh my God. I need to plan for it. Like, okay, I'm going to renovate my bathroom. It's going to be $50,000. How how am I going to plan for that? You know? So I think I think of it from that perspective. And as much as you can give them that information up front, I just feel like it's going to make things go really easy. The problem is that sometimes, you know, the clients don't know what things cost and then they get scared away because they can't manage to see those big numbers, but then they go with somebody hourly and it ends up at the same spot. This is exactly what you just said is a very big thing that I am noticing. And it's like, how do you crack the code of full transparency, but not freaking them out only for them to go to someone else who is like, presented it in a different way, but then later it ends up costing the same. They just didn't know it up front. Right. And so I think it's, it depends on how you want to do business. I agree. And I think it's about really being articulate about that and talking about that. Not every proposal is going to be like that. So an example of this is funny because, and this was a big learning for me because I'm only getting into kitchen type stuff now, right? After having done my own, having worked on the new build And I recommended the kitchen company that I worked with. And I was like, they're not the cheapest. And then I said, but also like I had a client who used this kitchen company. It's kind of like apples and oranges, but it was just like, what do they value? But the core thing was, which I wish I had realized at the time was the kitchen company that um, I suggested came in way higher, but they quoted everything. The other kitchen company I didn't realize because I didn't see the quote. Like I didn't see the full tangible quote in my hand. They just, I just saw the end number. That was a miss on my part, but it didn't include the countertop. It didn't include, um, it it, it didn't include a bunch of key stuff that the other kitchen company did include. And unfortunately, like I, in hindsight, now I would know better to say like, okay, let me look at the two quotes. Let's identify, you know, are they apples? to apples and make sure because now there's just new prices like oh the counter wasn't included that's another twenty two hundred dollars things like that right um but yeah, that's, it, that's it's point. tough it is tough because i feel like that's what i'm doing to people where i'm like i prefer to be over i prefer to over estimate costs and come in lower i never i then coming in later and i feel like I'm biting myself. I'm hurting myself a little bit on that. Um, and I don't know how to fix it. Cause that's just like how I am. No, I think that's, I think in my opinion, my personal opinion, that is the way to do things because, um, you do not want to be on the receiving end of a client's, you know, um, emotions when you're trying to, you know, get your last payment and, and you're doing it hourly and suddenly they're like, you know what? I'm all done. And and I think I would rather be fully transparent in the beginning so that they understand where they're going with this project. Um, Or, or it's okay to walk away. It's just, you know, I think at a certain point, 
you just have to do things with integrity and you know it's sad that people do try to hide you know the costs and everything to 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 win a project and then later you know it turns out to be the same thing and you're like well you did your best you know it's it's so true like it's it's as if it's kind of like those like my contractor for my home yeah that price that he quoted us was the price that we paid unless I added to the scope, which obviously I understand that adds to the price. Um, And I really liked that. Like, you know, I liked that he just estimated it and I knew what I was going to pay. It was a lot of money, but you get over it early on and then you just move on. You pay it and then you move on. And then you, they don't ask you for more money until that next time that you know that you owe them money and it's great. And that's kind of like, that's a big thing. I think like, I'm rather overestimate. Like I just collected some money to purchase some lighting for a client. I was like, I don't know what the shipping's going to be, but, um, and I, I know we're not ordering these lights yet, but I'd like to just collect all the money, including an estimated shipping, which I think is probably maybe generous, but, um, I don't want to ask them again for money because it's gross. It's like the worst feeling. They don't like it. I'd rather just have it and then refund them if I have to. Oh, yeah. And you're their best friend when they get the money back. And they're like, oh, my God, we got money back. Like, yeah. I I feel strongly about that because I feel that it's really important, you know, as a professional to plan for these things. When you're writing so many checks, mm-hmm. make them write one check that will encompass yeah. everything. And then they're not like continually annoyed with the process because suddenly, you know, you said, oh, the shipping was actually 200 versus 175. Uh, you owe me $25 and that for that $25, everybody's annoyed and irritated. Yeah. You know? So I think, yeah, always over, you know, planning, you know, over planning is better. Um, and fixed fee tends to do that in terms of, you know, managing expectations, managing costs, because these are not small numbers. Like when we're dealing with, renovations we're dealing with new bills you're talking about tens of thousands of dollars and Mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands of dollars in product and you know like you want to be respectful of everybody's you know ability to pay that because tomorrow you ask me to do that i don't have that kind of money to do a renovation are you kidding i know (laughs) but we handle you know we handle that for clients because i mean i respect that and i think you know i've really been thinking about a lot about our previous conversation and just how to do things in 2020 moving forward. And I think I'm really, really clear on it now is that there is no way in hell I'm going to hide the cost of product from my clients. No way in hell. Meaning? Like, you know, the whole markup discussion. Yeah. I feel disgusting when you have to hide things like that from a client because, you know, I've heard this, like... I get what you're saying. So, like... I mean, I don't want to have this discussion about like, you know, they're finding out the price online. Oh my God. Now they, I'm, I'm going to be outed. I mean, the fact is that they, I, I mean, if you're feeling that way, that does feel a bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like you, you cannot do business that way. Transparency is key. And the fact is that if we want the clients to trust us, yeah, they're with everything, including the vision, the process, the implementation, the fact that we're handling all aspects of this project, there's trust, implicit trust that we are then letting them down by not being transparent. Oh my God. 
I mean, like, that's not fair. So true. So, like, and honestly, that trust to me is everything. Like, yeah. Everything. So, like, a stupid example for me, it, it's it's so very true. Um, that one thing I will say too. That's that's also why I try when I when I'm dealing with trade only. I will often do the um, I think it's called M map or whatever. Like I map. Yes. Oh, thank yeah. you. Like, if I know that they can get this from like a retailer, the exact same yeah. thing, like I'm not going to charge them more than that. Granted, um, I might charge them more like if in a place where I know that, especially Wayfair, it's tough. Wayfair will fix that all up if they, if they'll even return it, you know, right. hard right. to compete with. Also, so now you're going to pay more for me. Like it's a really hard thing that you need to yeah. figure out for yourself what is right for you. But I'm the same way as you where I feel icky. I feel dishonest and, um, yeah. And, I mean, and, and, I, and I don't do it as a business practice. As a business practice, I don't do it because I just, I've always done it either MSRP, you know, or 35%. You know, if I'm telling them 35%, then they get to see the cost. If I'm telling them, get, what, what do you mean by if, that? If, if I'm saying I'm going to mark it up 35%, right? If that is my markup, then they're like, okay, so what's the cost then? So that we understand you know, what the markup is and what the cost is. They have every right to know if that's what your contract says. They have every right to know what the cost was before the markup. Got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if it's trade pricing, they need to know what that is. I mean, they're paying you 35% over something. You're telling them that's going to, you know, cover the cost of your coordination, managing the process, blah, blah, blah. Then they need to know what the cost is. And... Just so the listeners are clear, um, you're not saying that you don't mark up trade only. You're saying that you're just transparent about it, which actually it's exactly. I mean, I mark it up. I I clearly stated in my contract that it's going to be 35% or whatever it's going to be. And, or we do MSRP because sometimes it's just easier to do IMAP or MSRP because that's what they're going to pay anyway. And if, if if it's a trade product, then you're making enough money on it. It's like 40% or whatever below that price. Yeah. And that's more than enough to cover the cost, you know, of what you're doing. And they're not overpaying at the end of the day, right? They're paying you for your service. And that's what I feel yeah. like, you know, feel free to bump up your hourly or your design fee cost or whatever that is, but product should be transparent. And again, for clarity, she's saying she is selling trade only at MSRP or IMAP. So you're not saying I'm buying trade only at 40% off and selling that to my client. You are hundred no. percent making money on product. That's, so just for the clarity of the people listening, yes, that is not what she's saying. She's just saying, you're saying for your business, you want to be transparent about it. And there's going to be mixed people feeling about that. And I think that's for everybody to decide on their own. What, like if you feel icky about something, then it's not right for you. If you don't feel icky about it, then it's right for you. Like, it's fine. Like, it's not to say that one way is right or wrong, because I don't think that necessarily one, it depends on how your contract's worded. It depends on like what you're about. And as long as you're being ethical about it. Right? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's your own business. Run it the way you yeah. feel best. I think, yeah. So I it's, think that's how I do things though. Yeah, that's very specific to me. <laughs> absolutely. And I, I'm yeah. not going to lie. I feel the exact same way. Like I can't, if I know, like, I'm in Toronto and I know that I can go direct to like four hands, but for me to make, 
at least I haven't, I might need to revisit this, but in Toronto, Forehands products are often available at key retailers that are very popular at specific prices that, you know, once I do the, okay, I get design, sorry, I'm burping. Um, once I start to go, okay, I, for me to make that profitable, to, to get that in from the US where I have to um, take a lot of liability because I have to pay the duty, I have to pay the bro like the brokerage, same thing probably, but um, the exchange, which I don't ever really truly know what it's gonna be. I never know my landing costs until it's all said and done. So I have to be kind of like, okay, what do I need to add? If it only ends up being 20%, to stay competitive with the local company because for me i'm sorry like that doesn't that personally to me doesn't feel ethical that i'm going above and beyond to do all of this effort for yes. a piece of furniture that they can get for me to stay competitive i have to only mark it up 20 percent. well i can get it 20 percent there anyway whereas like also if there's an issue with it they're going to return they, they can return it within a week they can't do that if they order it through me. So I know like where it makes sense. Like if I'm making at least 40% and I can still be competitive with a local retailer yeah. because yeah, I mean, yeah, you got all the design work from me, but you paid for that too. So yeah. that's our, it's not like you got the product and the design work for that product fee. Like you already right. did pay for that. So that's not the added benefit here. Right. What is the added benefit really? Right. So, um, but anyway, yeah, you're totally right. I mean, I think the liability aspect is huge and returns and all of that, you know. Um, well, and this, this is one thing I will, I do want to put out there and, and which I have still, I can't, it, it confuses me. Like we talk, there's a lot of like people who are like, okay, you, you know, if there's something wrong with the product, right? There's something wrong with the product. You have to bill hourly to fix it. Okay, cool. But then we're also saying, this is just, again, I don't want to start a whole uproar on this, but this <laughs> things to think about, which doesn't make sense in my brain. But yeah. then we're also saying, well, okay, that product that you got, this is just for discussion's sake. Don't lose it on me. I don't want to get a bunch of emails, but, um, you know, let's just say it's Wayfair. Okay. Whatever. Wayfair. We hate them. We love them. Whatever. <laughs> same product, exact same product can come from Wayfair, same finish, whatever. And our, and what we're saying, yeah, but you know, by buying it through me, you're getting my design. I'm going to, you know, if something goes wrong, but then on the same token, we're saying, but I'm billing you for it. Like you've just negated what you just said, the benefit, like if you're paying a premium over the Wayfair price and that's because I'm going to take the time to make it right, then you can't bill hourly for that too. No. And that's like the disconnect that like, I'm not totally understanding, which was why like, I'd rather just it's going to be... I think it depends on the product. And I think you and I specifically do not buy yeah. a lot of the trade furniture where you get a really, really good deal. I think we, yeah, no. our products tend to be, you know, 20%, 30%, maybe, maybe 40% if you're, you know, one or two pieces. But I think, and that's the other thing is that I felt like I was going to look for product just because of the discount versus how yeah. right it was for the project. And I felt that didn't seem ethical. ethical yeah. I hear you on that. That was when I first got into um, trade only that, yes. that, that was super enticing to me. And it was a real, I was just like, I don't, I want to pick the right, piece for the space it's a real battle like a specific aesthetic so like 
what we're saying right now is like, I, I just think like, there's a specific, like a more modern kind of contemporary, maybe Scandinavian or whatever you want to call it, where it's like less just like super upholstery stuff. Yeah, it's like just different. Heavy. It's different. It's yeah. not traditional. It's not traditional. Exactly. It's um, harder to find. It's the harder trade to only. find. Yeah. The trade discounts are not offered on it. Whatever it might be. I think the point is that, you know, at the end of the day, the service that we bring to the client is the right piece for the right place. Right. So Agree. I think, you know, it's great if you have a couple of trade resources that you can lean on and that's awesome for everybody. But you know, most of the time that's not the case. And, and I don't want to go fishing for something when I can get it easily through another retailer or through another vendor, but I won't make as much money on it. And I, that's not the point, is it? We're not doing this only for the money. We're doing it for so many other reasons. Absolutely. I mean, some people like, I mean, everybody has their own, like, but yes, I think we, I, at my core want a space that I stand behind and love. That and you are so about. proud of. And yeah, you know, that's a, absolutely think, an important element of my yeah, business. I mean, that's to me, at least I have the luxury of saying that, unfortunately, because whatever it is, I'm privileged. <laughs> Maybe I just put it out there, you know, I'm privileged yeah. in a way in which I do not have to do that um you know and i can i do have the luxury of choosing what i do for my business that is that's why i think this, it's a matter of privilege too you know yeah but i think the way that i want to just thinking about how i'm going to run the business moving forward in this year 2020 and thinking about it is that i am trying out a new model uh, of doing a higher hourly rate which feeds into this whole square foot concept that we just talked about it's all what's your hourly rate now this year so right now it's 200 okay so i'm going to push it up to at least 250 dollars get it an girl. hour and i'm going to go msrp yeah yeah and not 35 okay. not 35 percent so i guess this MSRP. conversation of 35 percent and what you're referring to is is retail Anything, it's, right? Anything. So if, whether it's retail or it's or it's trade. Well, because or, if it's trade, it's probably often going to be sorry, like re just for clarity's sake, trade only, meaning a lot of the times that is forty percent. So you would be making forty percent, but you're saying um just correct. so we're clear, because with retail you get trade pricing, but it's often only twenty tall. Correct. Correct. So you're saying um because there well, was a point in time when you were doing like thirty percent on top of in Correct. retail, 20%. So you were ending up charging yes. more than the retail that they would go if they went in store. Correct. Oh. Just to keep it, just to keep it simple for all of us involved in the process, that just seemed like the easy way of doing things is like, okay, say that it's a flat 30% on trade or retail, right? I see. It's so I funny because it's I've been on designers' websites like local and I and it says like I think it said markup of whatever on, on all products. And I remember talking to her and saying like, well, what happens if the retail, like what if the retail product is only 10% off? Like, are you yeah. filling them more? And also I think this has been a helpful conversation because you are a hundred percent, whatever trade you're getting, you're charging MSRP, which for clarity's sake means you are making money off of the product. Of course. I mean, I think, you it's, know, and it's part gonna, of your model. Yeah. I'm not going to pretend and neither am I going to tell the client that I don't make any money. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm going to be very clear with them and say, you're going to pay this price, whether you go 
through me or you go directly to the retailer. You can decide. Yeah. But if you involve me, I'll make sure you get the right product. You know, the ordering process is done. We manage the whole process. We bring it to a warehouse. We install it correctly. The receiving aspect, you know, you're paying for all those things that who's going to sit and manage this process when you're renovating a home and you're expecting like eight pieces of large furniture to show up and things are damaged. You don't want to deal with that. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think I'm not saying that don't make money off of selling product. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that transparency is key. You know, when we talk about trade only 40%, I'm noticing more and more the pieces that I want to um, spec are from local artisans mm-hmm. or local companies in ma- made in America yeah. that only offer you 10 or 15% because they are also small businesses like us and they can't offer the deep discounts that you might get from other big brands, but their products are beautiful, they're handmade, they're locally sourced, they're sustainable. And that's why I feel like that's the way to do things, you know? I mean, that's another thing I want to support that. Absolutely. And it's funny you say that because I was just talking to uh, Scout Modern and she said the same thing. Like she really like part of what really is important to her is working with like very like bespoke stuff you can't find just anywhere else, which, which by the way, I think if you are that type of designer, you are able to also demand a higher price because it's, it's a very bespoke design. So your service fees almost can be more because it's so bespoke that you're almost like paying for the uniqueness of it all. Right. 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 I love that. And it's like, cause you're, you're an artist and you want, there's a specific aesthetic and you're not going to compromise just to make a buck, but that doesn't mean you're not still running a profitable business. Right. And I think, you know, then the, and also the clients can actually see the piece in person. Yeah. They can go with me to the person's workshop and see the person who made it, meet the team, meet the, you know, of of craftsmen and understand why they're paying what they're paying for that product. Absolutely. You know, and I think we, you know, it's such a tactile business that that should be possible. And I I think that's very important for a client to be able to touch something that they're about to spend money on. Yeah, for sure. So it's funny. Some clients are like, "Oh, it's fine," and then some clients do, especially with sofas. I find, but it just depends on the piece. But yeah, I mean, I feel like I've like totally we have gone over, and I love it. It's very funny (laughs) that we were able to do it. Um, That was awesome. I I loved it so much. Okay, you launched a Facebook group. I did. So after our last podcast, and um, a friend, dear friend of mine, who's an interior designer, who I've been helping, sort of just uh, you know very casually coaching her um, on how to price things and what to do. And she urged me to start a Facebook group called um, it's called the design business. Um, And um, it's really just a platform uh, for this kind of conversation. Yeah. Like, you know, like I've shared the square foot rates that we just discussed. I have them on there for everyone because I was like, you know what, if I figured this out, I get so much back from these groups that I can't too, you know, yeah. even imagine. And this is a, just one way of giving back to, to ease some of the anxiety around pricing. Um, 
So it's a Facebook group that I just started. So there's not really, it hasn't really gathered much momentum, but I would It takes a while, let me tell you. Don't even worry about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not worried. I think I just wanted a place to, you know, to share stuff. And if people are interested in learning more about how I do things or just through all my mistakes. Yeah, <laughs> I, absolutely. So tell everybody, remind everybody where they can also follow you on Instagram and what your website is. Right. So my company is ID8 Design Studio. I'm on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, I have a website, id8designstudio.com. And the coaching page on Facebook is called The, the Design Business. You have to request um, access. And I'm happy to add you on if you answer those four questions. And uh, it's as simple as that. Love it. And just for everybody listening, those links are all going to be in attached to this episode in the notes. So thank you so much for doing this again. It's been a while since I've talked to anybody for the podcast. I took like a, I think it's been like three weeks since I've had a podcast call. So you're my first one back in the new year. Yay. I'm excited. I, and I want to hear about your Excel sheet and how that, how that works out. You know, you were going to play yes, I will yeah. tell you. It's official. She nailed it again. I love talking to her. God, she's she is very, we are very in sync as far as how our brains work. And it's very fascinating. Um, I, I find it very rare that anybody thinks like that. It's, uh, I don't know, hopefully that wasn't too much coming at you guys. I fully feel like that was a just a very just conversation that maybe I hope was easy to follow because I know there's a lot of like crunching numbers on the fly. And I'm just going to go ahead and say, I'm sorry if you weren't able to follow. Um, I'd love to elaborate and make that easier if you couldn't, but truth be told, I just don't have the time to, to pick that apart and, and be clearer in what we talked about. Um, and it's through no fault of Sasha, it's, it's me and my, um, the way my brain works and how I was responding. But hopefully you got some really awesome nuggets in there because it was awesome. And I haven't yet sat down to do my own square footage, but I'm gearing up to do that in the next couple of weeks. I'm, like I said, basically my process is going to be this. I have a spreadsheet of things that I do to analyze my projects after a project ends. It involves um, what I charged for my services, what I, what the actual hours were, what I build, um, any hours that I didn't charge for. Yes, sue me. There are times when I will start the clock and, and just add a no charge tag to that. And the reason I would do something like that is where maybe I'm working on a project and I feel like my inexperience in one way, shape or form is uh, playing a role in the time. And, and so I want to track how much time is spent. Or sometimes, you know, I just don't for whatever reason I feel is accurate. But if you do that, guys, I really do think you should track your time because what happens for me is if a client ever complains about times, I can say, yeah, guess what? I also spent 20 hours that I didn't bill you for. So deal with it. You're going to pay this invoice anyway. But yeah, so um, I also track how much the receiving was in relation and percentage to um, the actual spent in the budget. I, I try to track how much I actually made on the furnishings how long the project took. And now what I'm going to do is 
turn, uh, go back and identify what the square footage were, was for those, what category of project it was based on what she talked about. And I'm going to identify what mine are and then try to kind of reverse engineer the same thing she's done, but making sure that those numbers make sense for me and the scale of the projects that I take on. And so if that's something you're thinking about, I would definitely urge you to try to at least at least validate the numbers for your own business as opposed to just going blindly. I don't, you know, all that good stuff. Anyways, guys, that's all on that front. Do you know what time it is? Hey, Michelle. Uh, I'm sending this to you because I don't really know how else to do it through Instagram, but this is a little bit of a real talk rant. And please don't use the video because I look like garbage. But but basically my real talk rant is um, coming after me listening to some interior design like business podcast where a uh, designer was like kind of complaining about not having clients with adequate budgets and expecting the world. I hear designers complain about this all the time and I hear these same designers offering in their business model design consultations at any price range, design consultations, 10 hour chunks of design design time that they sell as an a la carte option, um, designer for a day, all these different piecemealed uh, design fee options for clients. And I just have to say, I know it's a little pie in the sky, but if you want higher end clients, stop offering design packages that attract smaller budget projects. Seems obvious to me, but uh, I hear it. I just hear people complain a lot about it. And that is my rant. I really find it irritating. And if you're talented and you have your shit together, you are going to be able to attract the type of clients that you want. And you're never going to get there by working on tiny little projects and um, devaluing your own services. So that was my rant. I think that if you want to attract hiring clients, you need to, whatever the marketing and sales part of that, you should be focusing on, great. I don't know the answer there. But I will say that when you start offering more budget-friendly options in your fee fees, like packages, you're going to attract clients with terrible budgets. So stop it. Stop offering consultations. Just stop. You'll figure it out. If you really want something and you have, you know, the the chops to do it, then you will attract the right clients. But you're never going to know if you keep taking on low-end, low-budget projects. That's my rant. Thank you very much for submitting that rant. I also feel like I should say that I will never respond overly respond to the rants. The rants are really just to get out our thoughts and feelings on whatever we're thinking. Also, rants are not uh, intended to have people get at you. Like, if you don't agree with the rant, move about your day. Um, the point of the rant is a safe space to just get your thoughts and feelings out. So it's not meant for people to come at anybody um, and say, like, I disagree with your thoughts. Um, and just, you know, that's really all I have to say about that. This is a safe space. 
sometimes I notice, this is what I notice sometimes in Facebook land, and sometimes I do it too, and I have to catch myself, and I think this is a, a PSA for us all. Sometimes, especially in my group, people are starting to post rants now. Those are rants, and they don't need feedback per se. They just need people to say like, oh, sorry you're going through that. Not, you know, what they should have done better. Truth be told, I'm catching myself doing this and I'm trying not to. Sometimes people just need to be heard and have people acknowledge their feelings are valid and move about their day. This creates a safe space. It creates a place that people want to share without feeling like, oh, you know, another thing I know is people don't answer the question. If you are posting, if people are posting questions in Facebook, try to answer the direct question that's there. And, you know, a new thing I'm going to try to start doing, um, I'm in a mindfulness program right now, and the the lady who leads it, the coach, the whatever you want to call her, the doctor, the, I don't know. She, when people ask or say something about their experience, she always says, oh, okay, well, thank you for sharing that. Do you want feedback on that or, you know, ideas? And then when she gets permission on that, then she goes into it. I don't know. I'm not, I also understand that people post on Facebook at own risk and deal with what you deal with, but some food for thought peeps, like let's be mindful in what people are asking and how we're responding to them. And in my group, when people are posting rants, um, let's just, let's just hear them and acknowledge and validate their feelings so that they can feel like it's a safe place for that. Well, that was a rant of my own, I feel. Anyways, guys, if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe. I need to, or not, yeah, subscribe, also subscribe. Please leave a review. And if you want to follow along the journey deeper, go to Facebook and search for Real Talk Design. It's Facebook group. Please answer the questions. Tell a friend about it that you think would enjoy it. Until next week, bye.